Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message you've placed in my heart. Thank you that the anointed one will live big inside of me tonight. I thank you that my words would not be words of man's wisdom, but they would be uh, the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. I thank you that you have a plan to minister to every heart here. And I pray that they would see through flesh, Father God, and they would just listen to the Holy Spirit. And that their hearts would be pliable, moldable, Father God, fertile soil for the Word of God, and Lord, that we would be open to correction, to admonishment, Lord, to encouragement, to reminders, Father God, that we will leave this place better, Father God, that we would take something from tonight, apply it to our life, and be true disciples of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. We give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Amen. All right. Well, it's exciting to be here tonight with you guys. Um, Tonight's message is I have four suggested resolutions for you guys. I'm not a big New Year's resolution person. I really don't make any. I, I just try to do my best every day. Um, but at Christmas, um, I just asked my kids. I said, you know, what are you thankful for this year? You know, what's God's been speaking to you? And I asked Daniel. I said, Daniel, what are your goals for 2024? And it just started rolling something in me about setting some goals for 2024. And um, then I was praying this morning and asking the Lord what to share. And uh, I had nothing. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, I, and I didn't get anything yesterday either. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to read my Bible. So I started reading my Bible. And then two minutes in, you know. Outpours the whole message. I love the Holy Spirit. He's so good. So he just gave me four suggested resolutions that we could all take in as goals for 2024. I think they can all four apply to all your lives. You can make your own, add these to yours. But I think everyone here tonight can take something from tonight's message and we can do better. All right. I pray it'll be an encouragement to you. The first one the Lord spoke to me um, was love your family. And I want to say, I feel like the Lord maybe spoke that to me because I'm in a home with three teenagers right now. <laughs> uh, well, I guess Daniel's an adult now, but um, Daniel's probably smirking. Um, my th three children, they never fight. They never argue. They're perfect. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you have um, kids in your home, some of you, your kids are out of your home. But I still got mine in there for a little bit. And uh, love your family. And what the Lord said, um, well, first, I thought about the quote, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. You've probably all seen that quote before. It's attributed to Mother Teresa, and then some people say, she never said that. It doesn't matter. It's a good quote. If you want to change the world, um, yes, go change the world and go on missions. But it starts in your home. You know, we've always said we don't want to... Um, be missionaries at the expense of our family. We want to, we need to, you need to love your children. You know, pastor wasn't a pastor at the expense of his children. No, he wanted to love his children and raise his children in the things of God first and foremost. Um, but what the Holy Spirit spoke specifically to me is, you know, if I just came up here and said a little quote like, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds, that sounds like it'll preach. Um, he said, Go home and love your family according to 1 Corinthians 13. That's what he told me. And I thought, okay, Lord, you're getting specific now. <laughs> that's, that's different. 
You know, that's different than a postcard, go home and love your family. You know, postcard, love your family, we can watch Hallmark movies and drink hot chocolate and everything. But 1 Corinthians 13 is a tall order. Um, I think we all probably fall short in those. I've been talking to Jesus. I told Eliana today, I said, Lord, you knew. You gave me this child. You should have given me more patience, but she's helping me grow in patience, you know. And um, <clears throat> the Bible has a standard, and, and we have to aim for that standard. And we have to keep pressing, and we have to keep repenting when we don't get to that standard. But thank God we have a standard laid out. Jesus explained it in the Word, and he said, this is love. Love isn't buying your kids matching Christmas jammies. Love isn't buying them everything they want. Love isn't just making sure they can go to dance class and be on the football team. Love is exemplifying a relationship with Jesus and loving them according to the word. So tonight we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. And how do I love my family according to 1 Corinthians 13? Now, maybe the Holy Spirit has a little side message he's working on you tonight with someone else in your life. Maybe you need to love your spouse according to 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe you need to love a coworker according to 1 Corinthians, a neighbor. You know, I don't know who it is in your life, but God will speak to you through the word tonight. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. If you could put it up in the New American Standard, and I have a full, beautiful cup of coffee tonight I'm going to drink as I preach, and I'll probably be up really late tonight. But it's good, Cafe Verona, Pastor. All right, 1 Corinthians 13 in the New American Standard. We're going to read um, 1 through 8. Let's go ahead and look at that. It says, If I speak with the tongues of mankind and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Let's, let's talk about that. How many of you love? I know uh, we were blessed to have a meal today with um, Naomi and Silas. And Na Naomi was at the table with a spoon on a bowl of soup. And she was like, <laughs> and, and pastor was like, okay, that's sweet. Let's take that spoon away. Because clanging and noisy things aren't pleasant, Right? Um, and you want to get away from that. And it's the same thing when we are a believer and we are not a loving person. We're just like that clanging, annoying symbol, gonging around the house, you know, and it really, it, it, it's not bringing any peace into the atmosphere, okay? If I speak with the tongue, uh, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. <clears throat> if I give away all my possessions to charity, and if I surrender my body so that I may glory but do not have love, it does me no good. So we can be generous, but if there's no love attached to it, it does us no good. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked, 
does not keep an account of wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Amen. Love can win in an, any situation. I hate how the world take, takes things like love wins and things like that and uses it in the wrong context. Yeah, love wins when you're loving according to 1 Corinthians 13. When you're loving according to the word of God, you can win in any situation. We're going to look at it in the Passion Translation. This is fun. We're going to look at two other translations. We're going to just do verses 4 through 8 in these. I love this. Love is large and incredibly patient. That spoke to me this morning <laughs> in my own home. I was like, okay, Jesus, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Love is large is incredibly patient. How many of you have been impatient with people in your life? Right? Come on. So this is a word for us tonight. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle. How many of you, people might say you're rough around the edges? Okay. Yeah, sometimes we can be that. But you know what? The Bible says we need to be gentle. Love is gentle. I love this. And consistently kind to all. I could not get through this passage this morning. Like every, it's just like when you're like, it's like walking through honey. It's so thick and it's just sticky. Every part of it is sticking it to you. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. That, that is what a person who understands the love of God, the first Corinthians type of love, I am kind consistently in every relationship in my life. Wow, we have a ways to go. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Come on, body of Christ. When you're in church and you go to church with a bunch of tithers and givers, you're going to see people get blessed. Okay? We're supposed to rejoice with that. And if you're a tither and giver, don't worry, your time's coming. It's coming around. But if, if you are jealous of people getting blessed, it means that the love of God, according to 1 Corinthians 13, is not flourishing in your life. You've got to make some adjustments. <clears throat> love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflates its own importance. You know... I think when we get offended, it's basically saying, I'm inflating my own importance. I'm taking offense because I think I'm so important that you should treat me different. But the Bible doesn't say, think about how you're treated. No, it always talks about preferring others, thinking about how they are being treated. Love does not traffic in shame or, and disrespect. That, that floored me. I've never read this, I don't think, in the Passion before. Because we're always reading in the Amplified. Love does not traffic in shame. I want to go to a church that doesn't shame people. Now, don't ask me to tolerate sin. 
okay? I'm not here to wave a flag for anybody and say, hey, it's all okay, do whatever you want. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying when people are confused and in deception and in sin, my heart is grieved for them. But it is still overflowing with love for them. I don't shame them because that won't help them. It is not the shame of God that leads men to repentance. It is the goodness of God. And so you need to be a person who love exudes from you even when you get in contact with people whose lives are not lining up with your beliefs and your convictions. Your light needs to shine bright enough to where they feel that conviction, right? But not shame. We're not here to bring shame. Because you know who does that? The devil. He's the accuser of the brethren, and he's doing it already. They already are full of shame. They don't need any more heaped on by Christians. And disrespect. You know, and that's probably, in the home is maybe where we see that. Disrespect. Among spouses, teenagers, maybe to their parents, sometimes parents to their teenagers. But disrespect is not a way to uh, exemplify the love of Jesus. Nor selfishly seek its own honor. I think that's something the Lord's dealt with me about in the last year is really about making sure I reflect any glory that comes to me that I reflect it back to him. Because it's he who gives us the power to get wealth. It's he who places the gifts inside of us. It's he who opens the doors. It's he who brings us everything good that's in our life. And we're just supposed to use that to reflect the glory back to him. <clears throat> Love is not, <laughs> dare I say it, you guys are reading it, right? Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Those are two totally different things. Sometimes I get easily irritated by people in my life. (laughs) And you know, it really is a reflection on myself. It really is. I need to pray in the spirit more. Then I need to, I do it. You guys know me. Do I read my Bible every day? Do I pray every day? I do. But if I'm easily irritated, I just, I need more of the presence of God. I need more of it. I need to walk out that love. I need to practice the fruit of the Spirit. I need to watch my words. I need to watch what I'm thinking about. I need to check up on myself, right? Because people are annoying and they are irritating. But love is not easily irritated, right? All right. And it's not quick to take offense. I think a lot of times people, when they're quick to take offense, it's like a, uh, a self-defense mechanism. They think, I'm going to get offended really quick because I know what's coming because maybe they've been hurt. But it's important that if you want to be a man or a woman of love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, that you, that you choose not to take offense because I preach it all the time. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing shall offend them. Yes, I get offended sometimes. Got to repent. But I know the word says, if I love the word of God enough, and I have enough of it in my life, I will not be offended. I have to choose to be offended. The Bible talks about that a lot. You're taking offense. You're choosing offense. It's a choice. 
But in 2024, let's choose love. Let's choose to love according to this standard. All right? Let's let's look at it in the message. All right, here we go. Verse 4. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. Can you just see this person? I see a humble, selfless person walking in the love of God when I read this. I think about that person who sits at the table and there's six pieces of pie and there's seven people and they serve the six and they go to the kitchen before anyone notices and gets themselves something else because they're thinking of everyone else at the table, right? Doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, Listen, I'm in a season with three teenagers, not Daniel. The, I'm just the girls. Yeah. But, you know, me first. I want to sit in the front. I want that one. I want this just with kids. Okay. Who has kids? And you've seen this season, right? Me first. I want that. I want a turn. It's my turn. <laughs> you raise kids, six of them. You know, you know. I think anyone who's had children knows that me first. You know what that is? Immaturity. It's just immaturity. And as an adult, I hope you've grown out of me first. I see adults in churches, y'all, that still got that me first mentality. And we just, we have to make a choice. Not me first. Go ahead. You go first. Okay? It's just a choice to be that type of person. Doesn't fly off the handle. Oh, Lord, help us. Not even going to preach on that one. <coughs> this one's really good. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Wow. That's a temptation, isn't it? Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. That's the God kind of love. That's not a human love. Human love, we keep track. I know what you did, I know what you said. I know what you said about my kids. I know what you said about my husband. I know what you said about my hair. I know what you said about whatever, right? But we got to let it go, right? It's the only thing good we learned from Frozen. Love doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Think about that, man. Sometimes you got those people in your life and you feel like, I can't take anymore. But love puts up with anything. Um, Love trusts God always, always looks for the best. You know, that one in in the King James, I believe it says love. um, What is it? Love looks for the best in everyone, sees the best in everyone. That's hard. Love believes the best of every person. You know, that's what a person full of the love of God will do. That's another way you can check up on yourself. You know, when you hear something about somebody, you're like, oh, I I knew that was going to happen. Oh, I bet that's true. Or do you think, oh, I hope that's not true. Let's pray for them. Love believes the best. I want to see the best come out of these people. So why not believe the best? Where are we at? Okay. Always looks for the best. I love that. Never looks back. Let's not waste any time in 24 
2024 looking back. Keep looking forward, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is a tall order, but I believe we can do it. I believe we should read it all the time. I mean, how many times have you guys, as if anyone here went to marriage counseling with Pastor Dan and Joan, they printed it out for you and they made you read it every day. Uh, it was just me. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one to read every day. I know when we were first married, we did that. We put it on the wall by our bed. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind. Because when I married Paul, he was like, that's not how you wash dishes. And I was like, I'm 29. Okay, I've watched dishes for 10 years, 15, 20, I don't know, long time. You don't need to tell me how to wash it. Oh, you don't need to tell me how to wash my clothes. I'd be like, yeah, I know you're 10 years older than me, but I have lived my life. <laughs> That's what happens when you wait to get married till you're older. But <laughs> we, you know, you have to live it out and you have to remind yourself of it all the time. That's the thing, we leak. We're full of good information, but we got we to gotta just keep on, keep on. What if we only ate one time? What a boring life that would be. I, I eat every day. I don't know about you guys, most days. And I was with my mom. I had to fast last week, and I, I, I started fasting the night before, and we didn't get to eat till 5.30 or 6. And I was like, man, I never thought about how much you think about food. Like, <laughs> until you can't eat for a day. It's crazy. And it's the same thing spiritually. We shouldn't be able to go days without eating spiritually. We should be eating, consuming the word of God throughout the day, every single day, every day. You know, maybe the Lord's speaking to me. No, I, I take an hour, two hours in the morning, but maybe we need an afternoon snack. <laughs> maybe we need to eat lunch more. Maybe we need to have some word with dinner. Whatever it takes so we can keep our word level and our love level full. Amen? <clears throat> I've got through one of nine pages, so I'm going to kick it into high gear. Okay. Philippians 2, 11 in the new... I'm going to read... Um, it looks like I have 1 through 11. <clears throat> I'm going to read it from the New American Standard. The little title above this section of Scripture says, Be Like Christ. I love that. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love... If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. This sounds like a great verse for the body of Christ. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as what? More important than yourself. Now, you're not more important than me, and I'm not more important than you. But I'm supposed to consider you more important in how I treat you. Um, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but for the interests of others. I love verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He what? Humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point 
of death. I'm so glad Jesus is not asking you to become obedient to the point of death at this season of your life. But he's asking you to become obedient to the point of death of your flesh. Death of your pride. Maybe even death of being comfortable sometimes. I know I've had to check myself and be like, oh yeah, I don't have to be comfortable all the time. Sometimes we need to be in these situations where we give that up. Um, what verse am I in? Eight? Okay. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. I don't like the NIV version of the Bible, but I will read verse 5 out of that because it says in verse 5, Philippians 2, 5 in the NIV says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And I like that. I mean, it says the same thing, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, but it just pulls it out that in our relationships, we need to have the same attitude that Christ had. And what a great example he said. He did not seek the glory. He did not seek the power, even though he could have had it all. He laid it all down, humble, obedient, even to death on the cross. And of course, he was given that name above every name. Amen. All right. Um, John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. I love that he made sure and put that this is a commandment. This isn't just a suggestion. This is a commandment that you love one another and not how you want to love other people, not how you want to paint that picture, but as I have loved you, that's how I want you to love each other. How has Jesus loved us? Sacrificially, extravagantly, at the expense of his own life. Um, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 in the message um, says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is what? Love you. That's mostly what he does. He loves you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. I think that's the key. How much company are you keeping with the Lord? Maybe that's the key to your love walk right there. Maybe we just found that tonight. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. If you're hanging out with Jesus, he's going to help you love people. Like he wants you to love them. Observe how, observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but what? extravagant. He didn't love us in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. The world loves people to get something from them. That is the world's way of loving. Oh, you can do something from, for me? I want to be your friend. Oh, you have a nice lake house? I want to be your friend. <laughs> oh, you have a boat? I want to be your friend, you know? Jesus was like, what can I give you? What do you need? Maybe I, can, maybe I can meet that need. That's the type of love that should be coming out of us. <clears throat> um, this is the type of love that changed the world. And this is the type of love that will change your home. 
the love like Jesus had. If it changed the whole world, it can change your home. No matter how much strife or craziness is in your home, you can bring the love of God in your home with the word of God, with the presence of God. Um, I think I'm going to have to skip a couple. Uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 4, just make a note of it, okay? Um, Philippians 2, 3, let's read that. Uh, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Ephesians 4.32, we know this one, be kind. There's that word kind we just read in 1 Corinthians 13. We're supposed to be consistently kind to all. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. I've got so much here. Colossians, here's another good one, Colossians 3. 12 through 14 in the New American Standard. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the things that are befitting of a believer. These are the clothes that we should be wearing. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. (coughs) Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you must, so must, You do also. You must. It's not a suggestion. It's a requirement. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Amen? So, that was the first resolution. Was what? Love your family, according to 1 Corinthians 13. The second thing he told me for 2024 is be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now you got to be filled. Not just one time. Be being filled. Stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, We know Ephesians 5, um, 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You know what? I just had a vision of, you know, I, I looked at some cute jammies at Walmart on the, you know, 50% off clearance Christmas and cute plaid jammies. And I, I looked at them and it said, cheers. I thought, oh, I don't, you know, probably referring to wine. I don't really want those. Um, and then I was looking at TJ Maxx at like, and they had like, all the chief stuff was about alcohol. They had like, alcohol, I don't know what they call them, like glass things to hold alcohol and, and beer things and wine things. And I was like, can't you just have like a cute thing? <laughs> you know, of course they had coffee cups. But the world's obsessed. Like you, if you watch like Instagram reels or something, it's like, wine this, wine that. With I saw, I was looking at some, some Christian friends of mine posted their Christmas pictures, and I noticed in their kitchen they had a little thing on their kitchen that says, as long as there's wine, Christmas will be fine. And I thought, wow. If we could take, and I'm not preaching on alcohol right now, y'all. What the Holy Spirit showed me is if we were, that marketing should be for being filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if we put all those like wine shirts and wine cups and all those cool wine sayings and wine TikToks, but it was being filled with the Spirit? How much better life would be? Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And I hope, I hope you can sense I'm not shaming people. I'm saying this is better. 
This is better. Be filled with the Spirit. That's what we need in 2024. That's what's going to change our lives. That's what's going to change our home. That's what's going to change our marriage. That's what's going to change our ministries. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. I can see it, y'all. Being filled with the Spirit. Walking around. You're in Walmart. You're full of the Holy Spirit. You've been praying in the Holy Spirit. You walk up to that person in the frozen food section. You're like, can I give you a word? The Lord just spoke to me and you've been, you need this or you've been struggling with this or can I pray with you about something? You don't have to be goofy. The Holy Spirit will use things. He will give you words of wisdom and they can open doors to get people saved. I mean, God wants to do more. But you got to know him. You got to know his voice. You got to be filled with the Spirit. How often do you just pray in the Spirit and wait on God? You can do that in your own home. Just pray in the Spirit in the morning and be like, what does this child need for me to behave? <laughs> Lord, give me some wisdom. Or you could have a glass of wine and shut it out. But which one's going to change that home and change those lives? Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I just preached um, a, a sermon in Panama, Eight Reasons Why Every Believer Should Speak in Tongues. And I gave them all a book by Brother Hagin. We got a bunch of them filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of the points I'm just going to share with you. I don't have time for it tonight, but number one was speaking in tongues is the initial sign that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what happened? They began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. 1 Corinthians 14.18, I quote it all the time. I say, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than y'all. Man, the Apostle Paul knew. Speaking in tongues. Man, you gotta do it. All right, number two, Speaking in tongues is for spiritual edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. What does that mean? It's building you up. Kate McVeigh challenged us years ago to pray 15 minutes in the Holy Spirit every single day. And at the end of the year, she said like how much time that would be and how it would radically change your life spiritually. And it's so true because you're building yourself up and you don't even know it. <clears throat> Reason number three, tongues reminds us of the Spirit's indwelling presence. I love that. Every time I just stop what I'm doing, and I just start praying in tongues, it reminds me I am filled with the Holy Spirit. The greater one lives inside of me. And if I don't know the answer, I can pray and he will pray it out for me. Amen? Number four, praying in tongues is praying in line with God's perfect will. Romans 8, 26. Jude 20, praying in tongues builds your faith. Praying in tongues, reason number six. Praying in tongues is a means of keeping free from worldly contamination. It is a great way to do that. It's hard to pray in tongues and watch bad shows on TV. Uh, reason number seven. This one's cool. Praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. I'm going to read you a missionary story because I'm a missionary. And I love missionary stories. And I thought this one was cool. <clears throat> a missionary to Africa shares his powerful testimony on praying in tongues. 
He and a native worker hired a boat to take them to an island to preach. On their return journey that night, a tropical storm suddenly came up. The vessel's owner told them if they stayed out on the ocean, the boat would overturn and they would all drown. But if they stayed close to shore, they would also hit the reefs, which would probably break apart the boat. He asked the missionary, what do you want to do? And the missionary replied, it's your boat. What do you want to do? He said, what do you think would be best? And the man said, well, I think I'd rather take a chance on the reefs. The missionary and the native worker said, okay, let's pray and let's go. He related that as they neared the reefs, suddenly it felt as if the boat were lifted up and carried over the water. The missionary said that he, the native worker, and two or three sinners, including the owner of the boat, witnessed these miraculous events. God literally lifted the sailboat over the reefs and into safe water. The following week, the missionary was visiting another mission station, and there was a woman missionary there that said, hey, um, last Monday at 10 o'clock, what were you doing? And he said, why? You know, she said, man, I had already went to sleep. I was sound asleep. And I, at 10 o'clock, I was awake and was such a burden to pray. And all I could do was just pray in tongues. And I just prayed in tongues for 15 minutes. And then I felt a release and I went to bed. And it was at that exact time the Holy Spirit picked up that boat. Those angels picked up that boat and moved those people to safety. How cool is that? There's so much in that story. Missionaries walk in divine protection. Here, this other missionary, missionaries always praying for other missionaries, we're a camaraderie, but obedient to follow that prompting. I'm telling you when, you, when God wakes you up at a weird time, please pray. He's almost always waking you up to pray. Why else would you wake up at some weird time? Okay, it's not a pizza dream. It's the Holy Spirit saying, we got things to do. I need you to pray. Let's pray it out. You could be changing lives and you don't even know it. How, most of the time, we never get to hear these cool testimonies. But in the book, uh, one of Brother Hagen's books on the Holy Spirit, there was testimony after testimony after testimony of things that people prayed. And like six months later, there's another one where this lady had a dream that this missionary um, like died out in the jungle and she got up and she... Um, just started praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And at that exact time, he had, a, he had a deathly fever and he almost died. But the Lord raised him up, you know, and it was just so cool how God does that stuff. So praying in tongues. The last thing, number eight, praying in tongues is spiritually refreshing. So listen, in 2024, I want to challenge you. I got to blow my nose first. <laughs> Okay, I want to challenge you. Let's make 2024 a spirit-led year. Let's pray in tongues every day. Let's do it. Let's just get up every morning and pray in tongues for 15 minutes. Let's pray in tongues while we're driving somewhere. Let's pray in tongues while we're in the shower. And let's try to listen to the Holy Spirit. And let's not miss those divine opportunities that probably pass us by every day. So be filled with the Spirit. Number three, I have half my sermon and I have one minute. Um, <laughs> but really the Lord was speaking to me about the importance of knowing his voice, knowing his voice. It's got to be one of the greatest things in the world to hear from God and to have the chance to obey him. 
Learn to hear the voice of God. Learn to know his voice. The third thing he spoke to me about 2024, and I don't know who this is for, but he said, get in the will of God. Get in it. Right smack dab in the middle of it. If there is any part of your life that is not in line with the will of God, get rid of it. This could be your last chance. 2024, get in the will of God. What has God told you to do and you haven't done it? Come on, who am I talking to? I don't know. God has told you to do something and you haven't done it yet. God has called you to do something. And maybe you've said, well, it's too late. I'm too busy. Uh, maybe I missed God. Listen, renew those fires, renew those dreams, pray in the spirit, pray it out, but be disciplined enough to do what God tells you to do. Get in the will of God. The safest place in the entire world is the will of God. I was listening to um, a, a missionary friend of ours from Egypt the other day, and he was saying, like, I wouldn't want to live in America. And he lives in the Middle East. And, and someone was like, why? And he's like, because I wouldn't be in the will of God. And, I didn't, and you got to think about that. The safest place for him is in an unsafe place because that's the will of God for his life. You know, in the will of God is the best place for you. Um, I was thinking about, you know, we read Jeremiah 29, 11 all the time. But listen to this. For I know, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God knows the plans. The key is being in a relationship with the God who has the plans. The key is knowing the voice of the good shepherd who has the good plans. It's this whole relationship thing. Aren't you sick of people dogging religion? Oh, the church, it's all religion. I have a relationship. Well, you can have a relationship in the church pew. You can, okay? I'm so tired of your excuses as to why you don't serve Jesus, okay? I have a relationship in the church, okay? Anyway, that was just a little freebie for somebody, or maybe that was a little fleshly, okay? You got to have a relationship with Jesus, and you got to know his voice and hear his voice and obey his voice. For I know the plans I have for you, they're good, the plans for a good future, a future filled with hope. But if you're never listening to him or giving him time to speak into your life, how are you going to get to those good plans? We want to put that scripture on a tapestry on our wall, but we don't want to pray and take time to hear the voice of God. And when he does speak to us, sometimes we don't listen. Or when he says it's going to take some discipline, we don't want to do that. Or if it's going to take some sacrifice, oh, never mind, let's just put the scripture on the wall. No, if we want life-changing testimonies, it's going to take some discipline it's going to take some obedience. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some humility. Ooh, I feel the preach coming on. All right, I, I'm going to close. Um, I mentioned just Psalms 119, 130 says, the unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. If you don't know what God's telling you to do, a great place to start is open your Bible. I'm almost done with my Spanish Bible. I always want to send you a picture, but I'm going to wait till I'm done. It's got like this much left, you know. But just reading the Bible, it brings light. Like this morning, 
I just, I, I didn't know where to go. I didn't have any revelation. And I thought, well, let's just read the word. I read the word and boom, here comes the light. That's, it brings light. So if you feel dark in an area, if you're confused about something, just get in the word. The light will come. And the last thing, this is what the Lord spoke to me. In the last days, what are my people wanting to hear? Well done, you who started out well, but didn't finish. Well done, my child who showed up on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> well done, my super talented and popular person who has lots of followers on Instagram. Well done for making lots of money. What does Jesus say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. The last thing Jesus said for 2024 is be faithful. Just be faithful. That is, we miss the glory in that. You have no idea what just showing up and being faithful means to the Lord. The fact that he can count on you. He can count on you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. We don't have to be the most talented. We don't have to be the best dressed, thank God. I just don't have it with the fashion, okay? Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what's going to matter. Nothing else is going to matter. Two last scriptures on that. Oh, later on, read Hebrews. We read Hebrews 10, 25 a lot, but Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Oh, y'all. It's so good. Okay, I'm going to read it. <laughs> Stand up. I'm really closing. Stand up. I'm going to read you three scriptures, and we're going to close. Listen to this. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has what? A great reward, for you have need of what? Does that know what it says? Oh, I'm in the NASB. Endurance or patience. It's going to take some endurance to make it to the end. Okay? We can't be wishy-washy. We have need of endurance so that after... We just talked about getting the will of God, right? After you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, he's, what? he's coming. Who is coming will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not among those who shrink back to destruction. But of those who have faith for the safekeeping of the soul, we are not of those who draw back. Right? Raise your hand and say, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful to the end. There's two benefits for those who are faithful. Uh, Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man will what? Abound with blessing. God will take care of you. If you're faithful, he will take care of you. And Psalm 101, 6 says, just the beginning, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land. I love that. God, God is watching you. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land. How cool is it to know God sees your faithfulness? I don't care if you get a certificate that says, you showed up and ushered 170 times. Yay, you know. God saw it every time. God saw you clean the toilets when no one was here. God show you, sees you show up for bus kids. God sees you show up for those work days when it's 100 degrees in Missouri. God sees it all. 
He is not unrighteous and he will not forget your labor of love. He rewards the faithful. Amen. Okay, four points. What were they? Number one, love your family according to 1 Corinthians 13. Be filled with the Spirit in 2024. Get in the will of God and be faithful. I, you know what? Maybe each of those points were for someone different. It was kind of all over the place. But those were all four from the Holy Spirit. And I pray you take them. How many of you, the Holy Spirit, spoke something to you tonight? The Holy Spirit was speaking. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you as we close out one year and we start looking towards the next one. I pray that these words will inspire us, Lord, to step out with boldness and faithfulness, Father God. Help us to be lovers according to the word of God, to be patient, to be consistently kind, to be selfless, Father God, to forgive, to love fiercely, Father God. Lord, help us to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that this year we would hear your voice and we would know your voice and we would instantly obey, Father God. Nothing would keep us from being obedient to what you speak to our hearts this year. Lord, I thank you that we're going to be in the will of God in every area of our life, financially, emotionally, relationally, Father God, spiritually. God, I thank you that we're going to do what you've called us to do. And Lord, I thank you that we're going to be faithful to the end. We're not going to be. We're not going to be pulled into the world. We're not going to be deceived. We're not going to be of those who draw back because we love your word. We love your spirit, Father God. We love you. And I thank you for this message. That the Holy Spirit would seal it in our heart and we would walk away from here changed and more like you, true disciples. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.